Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome listeners to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Bardi. Hello Bardi. Hello Wendy. And our tactics guy and the true cursed child. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello Nathan. That is me. I actually can't believe this one. Uh, mm. we, we literally spoke about this on the podcast last week and yeah. you were like, do I release it or am I cursed? And I was like, no, no, no. There's no, maybe there's you, no maybe real it's curse. You. Yeah, maybe it's me. <laughs> Five no. minutes after tweeting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You said, yeah, we, we decided we weren't going to post it the evening that it was ready, that we would tease it and release it early in the morning. And then literally five minutes later, Schlock comes out with direct quotes <laughs> that he was saying. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, fucking, I've got it easy, right? I'm, ve- I'm very, very lucky. I'm very lucky. I, I don't work a nine to five grind. I don't have some awful boss to deal with. Don't you? <laughs> i've got i've got creative freedom i've got freedom of timing and all of this stuff i'm very very lucky but man i work really fucking hard on these videos and it just keeps falling down on me knocking the wind out of me so i'm not i'm not doing a video on foster cogley not until after there's pictures of him holding the scarf and stuff like that man um Maybe maybe I'll do some research on Amarim because I'm less keen on him, <laughs> but just to keep me busy for a while. But I I can't I can't keep doing it anymore, man. I absolutely don't blame you. As someone who's been accused of creating curses or bringing curses upon us, yeah, there's nothing that you did that created this curse. It's like know, when you're watching a football match and somebody walks into the room or someone says something and the opposite happens. There's such a it's not even happening at the same time because it's that image of happening the in the pitch has got to go up to satellite, yeah. come down and then go to your your pirate stream. And there's, it's impossible that you've affected that. And it's a, you could say whatever you want; it doesn't exist. So you're you're not cursing it. If anyone's cursed it it's windy by waiting <laughs> for the opportune moment to release it the only thing i would say is doesn't it show just how swayed we all are by reporting and tittle tattle um and you know the way the way spurs would have you believe this, this is panned out is that they had um identified a pool of candidates they'd done some basic due diligence they'd found out if they, those candidates would be interested in 
speaking to them further about the role. And then they'd started the interview process with a, a round of first interviews um, with a view to doing a, a round of second interviews. Um, and only then, after the second interviews, would they decide who their primary candidate is. That is that's the, what Spurs would like to have us believe is the process. Yeah. Uh, and and we've we've just followed the we just followed the rumors essentially we've we've followed the reporting no, around who the favorites are those those were the rumors those were the rumors that's what was coming out um via the club talking to to the to the beat journals etc and that's fine but then it seemed like that process had la- led them to land on slot as their main leading candidate that was again noise coming from multiple different places multiple different sources so it's it's like they've gone oh we don't want to we don't want to have what happened last time happen again let's make it clear let's brief the fans that we're looking at a variety of options we don't want we don't want to but then like at some point you've got to go this is probably going to be our guy and we're just finalizing things and then whenever you're finalizing things, things can fall apart. There was there was um there was accusations um from Spurs fans. There was a Twitter thread about specifically Sammy Mockbell's reporting and how it how it contradicts itself and how we've been misled. And I don't think it's very fair. I I don't even mind uh, an argument that um that journalists and then as a result therefore we <laughs> jumped the gun a bit. Uh, having not learned our lesson. But the reason you get contradicting stories is that they're reporting based on like competing parties with conflicting interests. And also sometimes someone will say something in private and they say something else in public, right? Mm. That's not a reporter lying or getting it wrong. That's just the situation. Mm. Um, Here I am defending mass media. (laughs) Um, My issue with ITK, it doesn't exist because all it is is Spurs are looking at something and then in in the quest to be the one that breaks the story, all they do is they egg each other on and they egg each other on. And it reminds me of like Jurassic Mm. Park where Jeff Goldblum goes, um, your scientists were so preoccupied about whether they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Each journalist has gone, I I want it to be slot. I want it to have my name next to the byline. So they've all egged each other on, gone a little bit further, gone a little bit further. And they've all been shown up for being a bunch of waffle merchants that they are. The, The club's not talking to journalists and telling them who they're appointed. Nobody knows anything. Like none of us know anything. ITK is a myth. All it is is just people creating nonsense. Classic Bardi stance. <laughs> uh, so I think this this question uh, links into what we've been talking about a little bit. So we got a really nice email from Peter Boyce who says, "I'm writing today to send along my sincere thanks to the podcast for your hard work this year. It's been painful watching Spurs every week and weekend, and almost cathartic listening to the podcast afterwards. So thanks for what you do. In fact, I think that Nathan's review of Brendan Rodgers as a managerial candidate was hmm. probably the highlight of the season for me. Oh, man. I'm not entirely sure what he's trying to channel in that video, but I was in stitches and thoroughly enjoyed it. Well done. Um, he says, Enjoy. quick question. The drama following Spurs in their search for a new manager seems weird in consideration that we, as a public, were led to believe that the new director of football would have to be appointed first, and their first job would be to decide a strategy for the team from a recruitment perspective and then assign or inquire the manager that would fit that mould. Does the move to appoint whoever as the new manager imply that Spurs already have in place a staff who they wish to execute that strategy, i.e. Scott Munn? And could this align with the recent high-profile managerial candidates who have seemingly rejected any interest in Spurs and also some random reporting that Spurs are now looking for a director of recruitment and not a director of football? 
really interesting stuff. What do you think, Nathan? Um, bless you. Bless your soul, not only for your comments towards me, but also for your faith in Tottenham um, uh, uh, proposing this. I've seen this theory floating around a bit. Here is a quote from David Ornstein uh, yesterday or the day before. Um, Spurs are attempting to appoint a, a, a head coach. Simultaneously, they're trying to appoint a new sporting director, and they'd like to do that before the head coach, but we aren't living in an ideal world. So, I mean, this 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 was misquoted by an aggregator, and um, I I I I did the thing that I just accused journalists of doing. I jumped the gun a bit. Um, but for me, nothing nothing sums up the Spurs situation better than reporting that we know what we should be doing. We know what that looks like. Um, we understand why it would make sense to first appoint a director of football and then appoint a head coach. But for some reason, we, and when I say we, I mean primarily Daniel Levy, um, whoever on the board is important in these kinds of decisions and maybe a tiny bit Scott Munn, um, have convinced ourselves that there are complications. There are reasons that, you know, on a timing basis that just doesn't quite work and we have to adapt to the situation, which I bet when he says it out loud or thinks it in his head, it sounds well-reasoned, it sounds smart, but it isn't because this is just not how to run a football club. Get your director of football in first and then they decide who the coach is going to be. Anything, anything outside of that is a farce. And I understand that there's a time pressure. Oh, it's been, it's getting close to the 72 days it took to appoint Nuno. I don't care how long it takes. I care how much of a fucking mess it's been every single day so far for those 72 days. If we don't announce a coach for another month, that's fine. Do it right. Go about the correct process. Put a director of football in place first. Step back from your own personal involvement and land on a correct decision. But you've already written off half the good candidates in the market. Oh, my days. I've not heard Nathan that passionate about about Tottenham ever. I don't think I've heard him. I've heard him go after governments and um, <laughs> and oligarchs and stuff. I've never seen him go after Tottenham like that. It's quite quite rousing. It's what's quite arousing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I do share Nathan's frustration. This mm. is this is an absurd situation we're in right now. Um, I'm I'm really interested because the the um, the stuff about director of recruitment and not director of football does seem to have some legs and so maybe Scott Munn's got more football related duties than we were led to initially believe uh so I'm intrigued to see how that pans out but Nathan's absolutely right that we should be having the structure in place before the coach arrives that is that is simply the logical way of doing business from what I've heard about Scott Munn um I don't think I want him no that hands-on in actual football related matters like commercially um in terms of you know business operations um but for him to have any real involvement in actual football sounds like a misstep from from what i've heard about him um which isn't really a critique of him directly only the role that he's given by the club right um the the element in which like yeah I mean, this is kind of the the argument that I put forward before on Twitter, uh, you know, a few weeks ago now, is that having a director of football who's one guy who you know is on the phone twenty four seven, who does all of you, who heads up all of the talent ID, does a whole bunch of negotiation directly with agents, um, 
writes up contracts all of that sort of stuff that that should be one person is is perhaps a bit of a misnomer and that we should divide up the role so that you have yeah a head of recruitment who is heavily heavily led by an analytics department that you have a negotiations team who are their own operation um and less than just sort of one guy who who oversees so much stuff and and then maybe yeah you can have a, a commercial person who doesn't actually involve himself in football very much just overseeing financials and long-term strategies and stuff yeah yeah just to go back to scott munn and because i don't want it to feel like we're just shitting on him because i don't I, sure. that's really not the intention um i've heard he's not a data guy i've heard he's not a football specialist but i've also heard that he is a very pleasant likable decent person and i could imagine that he perhaps has a really strong operations background and has been brought in to sure. uh, run a kind of harmonious um operation at spurs and i think that would be an absolutely logical appointment if so like if we just feel that the teams have got a lot of potential but perhaps they're not working together as best they can can need someone to come in and rationalize things a little bit and bring people together then yeah seems to make sense well, he's he's been hired from City Football Group, right? And for all of the evils of that operation, they are a, a slick enterprise. So he's used to working around smart people in, yeah. a, in a smart operation yeah. um, and, and fulfilling whatever his role is within that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I completely agree on your, your other points, Nathan, and um, absolutely share your frustrations. Uh, we should talk about the Leeds game. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it. Final game of the season. Season's over and done with. Uh, I mean, we can talk a bit about the team selection. Pedro Porro came back in for Richarlison. I was very pleased to see Pedro Porro get start. I thought he had a really strong game in terms of his production. I think he is an excellent player, but I really struggle to see what future he... Where he fits in in the future at Spurs. And we'll talk about Postacoglu a little in the second half. Um, any general comments about the game, Bardi? I quite like Pedro Porro. I think he could be used, perhaps be used a bit further forward. I think he could be adapted into a pretty useful right back and I think he remains a pretty, a very good wing back. So I don't have too many doubts about him fitting in. I think my biggest concern is where Kulisewski fits in in all of this going forward. Mm. I think he he's the one player that's a bit weird and will depend on what manager we get. Mm. I think they both do. Um... We'll come back to that because I think I think there's an interesting discussion point there. Um, what did you think of the game? I mean, Leeds are awful. They're Leeds horrendous. are terrible. I've not seen a I've not seen a team defend like that before. I think they got the record, haven't they? The most amount of goals conceded in like a two season period. I guess because if you if you're close to winning that record, you've normally gone down after one year, so mm. you you can't really you can't you don't really have the game time to add up that amount of goals. But it's terrible. Uh, Melier is a goalkeeper who we've spoken about a lot, but he completely broke down, and Robles is. He was terrible 10 years ago. It is even worse now. So I think, yeah, they that that was impossible. The only hope was perhaps they would score more than they um, than they let in. But Big Sam just came in and for some <laughs> reason, he tried to like stuff up their defence and fill yeah. up the holes instead of just going for broke and trying to score goals and bench Nyonto and everything else. So I like Leeds. My dad's a Leeds fan, weirdly, because in the 70s, he came over and decided to be a glory hunter and supported Leeds because they were the best team at the time. So it's sad to see them go down. Uh, but I would like us to go out and buy Nyontona. That'd be quite nice. <laughs> uh, Nathan, any any takeaways from the game? Leeds are really bad. I, I did, I'm did. i glad that we returned to the... Um the formation that switches up depending on whether we have possession or not the the Pedro Porro based <laughs> um changing between a 343 and a and a 442 
Um, and Leeds are really bad. They are shockingly bad. Uh, someone who's not really bad is Harry Kane. Oh my goodness, yeah. what a ridiculous season he's quietly gone and had. Mm. Extraordinary. Mm. Um, we spoke about this. We did a live pod last night after the match for our ex-subs, patreon.com forward slash the extra inch, if you want to get involved in that kind of thing. Uh, Harry Kane is a remarkable player who, despite us not getting things moving in an attacking sense this year, has has absolutely shone. He's carried the, the attack by himself. You know, we've had Son underperforming, Kudosevsky underperforming. We've had no creativity in midfield. And yet Harry Kane has continued to do bits. Uh, his finishing is still outrageous, but his all-round game, I just think, is incredible. He's so good at dropping deep and finding passes. I really love the bit of play for Pedro Porro's goal where he kind of lobbed it over, uh, I want to say it's Liam Cooper maybe, and then also just like darted around the referee who was in his way as, as well. Mm. Um, the, the pass didn't quite go where he wanted it to go, but uh, yeah, a brilliant bit of build-up play and a, and a fantastic finish from Pedro Porro as well, like across the keeper, um, rifled into the corner. Really nice, but yeah, Kane is ludicrous. Um and Lucas got his farewell goal, Bardi. It was a quite a goal as well, and I don't think I think it was the perfect way for him to sign up. I uh, sign off like a mazy dribble, really not knowing where he was going, and then a kind of a decent enough finish. But it kind of sums up his career, I suppose. He'll he'll go down at some point, and everything everything around Lucas will be forgotten in ten years, and they'll, he'll turn up on a, a a sports show or something, and everyone will reminisce about the day he took us to the Champions League final, and everyone will forget the noise going around him, and he'll be, probably go down as a club legend. But right now, it, it's still too raw his his random likes on Twitter and his sending off and everything else. But he'll go down as, as a Spurs legend for what he did that night in Amsterdam. And um, I'm happy to see him go. And fair enough, he scored a goal. We, we should have sold or released Lucas Moura two, maybe three seasons ago, in my for opinion. Sure. We've held on to him far too long. And I've not been able to get my head around his cameos in the last few games. Um, I, I, I understand... If he's really popular behind the scenes and... Seems like he is. Yeah, then I understand a final cameo. I would understand Brian Mason giving him a few minutes to sort of have his moment, but he's kind of had three of those now. Yeah. I, I don't I, I don't get that. Farewell tour. Yeah, it's been quite bizarre. Um, I'm very glad to see the back of him, to be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I've shared my feelings on Lucas at length, so um, I'm not going to do that again. Um it was a really good goal. I, yeah, really good goal. I think um, I noticed on the Spurs Reddit that there was like a whole page of of upvoted posts dedicating their love and support and giving a farewell to Lucas. And I just um, I don't know. I don't I don't really have anything against um, people wanting to say farewell. So I think I'll just leave it in peace this time. Basically. Mm. I would like to just comment on, on Harry Kane. I think the amount of goals he's scored this season has been quite incredible. For a team that finished eighth, I don't think there, there, there hasn't been. A, a team hasn't finished that low before in the last 20 years anyway and won and had a striker score 30 goals in, in, in one year. It's mental, isn't think, it? 30 goals. Yeah. 
had I mean in the last twenty years that would have been enough by miles to win top goal score. I think yeah. there is yeah, there's like the Salah season and perhaps the Suarez season for when he was at Liverpool that might beat him there. But what he's achieved this year is that as an individual is something else. And I think as an individual, this has probably been his greatest year. I know we'll think about the sixteen seventeen and all the all that stuff under Poch, but I think as an individual, what he's done this year has been outstanding. And uh, even even if we finish higher next year, season, we won't have someone scored that amount of goals. Mm. It's going to need, if Harry Kane goes, we're going to have to replace those around the squad, 15 goals from all three forwards or something like that. Yeah. Just, I, I can't quite get over it. Um, on um, whoscored.com, you can, you can run the little... There's a little table that shows you the player goals and team goals, so you get to see the contribution of the players' goals. He's scored 43% of our of our goals yeah. in the league. Ridiculous. Erling Haaland for Man City has 38%, and Tony for Brentford is 34 43% of our goals. It does show, though, that um, when Guardiola said that nonsense in 2019 about the Harry Kane team, it shows that one player doesn't make a team, that you can mm. have the best striker. In the, like, we always have to caveat this, that you've got to put Haaland to one side. So you can have an incredible striker, that, and one player doesn't make a team. If the rest of the team is as faulty and as flaky as our lot, then it doesn't matter who you've got up front. You're, you're just not going to achieve anything. So we have a question based on that match from Absolute Disgrace who says how many points did we lose to the Bentancourt injury? Um, I think this is an interesting topic post the last few games of the season because I've been so impressed with Basuma. Mm. Um, I thought other than Kane in the Leeds game, Basuma was our best player. There's there's a level of composure that he has on the ball in midfield that I don't think any of our other midfielders have and I include Bentancourt in that. Bentancourt can sometimes be a little frantic. Basuma... Um, has really made a strong case for himself in these part in these last few games, and I'm really delighted to see that. I thought it, it, when Conte played Basuma, I thought he really struggled. He looked very clunky. He couldn't, in my opinion, adapt well to the Conte system. And since that's gone, and he's just been playing a kind of more um, uh, I kind of want to say bog standard midfield role. He has showed that he has a lot of technical ability, and his 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 decision making is absolutely superb i'm really i'm looking forward to seeing basuma be a big part of whatever we do next year how do you guys feel about him i feel really really good i feel really really good about basuma um i think that he he provides some not only do i now think fairly confidently that he's our best talent in midfield yeah um but also i think that he's our most versatile option so depending on whether you want to play a midfield two or a midfield three whether you want him to play as number six and have a creative eight or whether you want to play with a creative six and have him as a more of a box-to-box player he can do all of that um and frankly unlike Bentacle hasn't just had a well <laughs> yeah. has actually had a but is looking really good uh having um had a uh completed his recovery uh, on Bentacle um his injury does line up quite well with our results turning to shit this season mm-hmm. um but also our performances were shits before his injury so not to deny that he he was he individually was playing really really well. Our second best player um, after Kane, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, churning out goals from midfield, um, giving us some kind of spark. But I think that we were going to be a plane crash whether he got injured or not. To be fair, yeah, maybe maybe it would have been slightly less bad. But um, if it just meant an extra week of putting up with Conte bad mouthing us post-match then um i don't feel too terrible about that <laughs> yeah buddy you're a big ben Tenkor fan 
Yeah, I think for sure it, it lines up even before the World Cup when I think he got injured and missed a few games, our performance has dropped off. He just gives us something else that the, the other two can't do, Skip and Shoibia. It's been nice to see Basuma come in. I thought against Brentford, whilst he had his legs, he almost kept Brentford at bay, but as soon as his legs went, Brentford destroyed us. Um, I have a lot of hope for him. I would like to see him and Bentancourt and one other in a, mm. in a midfield three. I think that with you add in a really creative passer and I think that works as a combination, to be honest. Yep. So once again, we are partnered with Athletic Green. So over to Bardi. I started taking AG1 because my health is important to me. Hey, Windy, have you noticed a change in the weather recently? It's a bit toasty out. Yes, it is, my fair-skinned friend. We should all be slapping on Factor 50 to protect ourselves. It's the off-season. Time for pims and cream teas. It's a slippery slope for diet and routine. <laughs> but this year, stay as focused as Giovanni Vio. Follow the AG1 set piece to success and make sure you're adding all the vitamins and minerals you need into your body to make sure you're not in a mess come pre-season. Position your team. Near post your shaker, flick on merchant your water. Interfering with the keeper is your scoop of AG1. Manhandling their big centre back is the vitamin D dropper. And tapping in at the back post is your most vigorous shake. Stay green this summer, my friends. Lovely stuff. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself and supports better sleep quality and recovery. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. After the uh, end of the season, Arnott Danjuma has posted a very, very nice, very warm, very philosophical um goodbye message on social media thanking the club and its fans for the warm welcome um discussing the regret he had at how things worked out um i kind of liked the the confidence he has in his own ability to say you know i know that i could i could have done done something had i been given the opportunity how do you feel about this one bardi i mean it seems like a strange one in hindsight that we signed this guy very well respected very well proven player and then we barely used him um it feels like it's just a waste for both parties. 
Yeah, I think so. Perhaps he would have been better off in, in the long run going to Everton and getting more game time. You know, I, I'm one of these that I think it's very easy to post something nice on social media after the event. It's um it's the easy way out. But there's been Conte, Stellini and Mason have opted against using him like regularly. So there is something there. It's just a very strange transfer. I'm not sure why it was done. I'm not sure what purpose it served. But the minutes he got, I think we would have been better off giving those minutes to Brian Hill. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a peculiar one. I mean, I, the only one that's won out of this is Brian Hill. He's on his way to a Europa League final and he's, he's, yeah. he seems to be having a nice time in, in Seville. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a bizarre one. Would you be looking to sign Dan Juma? No, i bring back Brian Hill. He can, boy can run, bring him back. Mm. I think there's room for both of them in the squad, to be honest. Uh, and, it, well, I mean, this comes into the discussion about the, the manager, who, who that manager might be and, and where certain players would fit into the squad. But... I do really rate his ability to isolate a man out wide and, and beat them. Um, I think he also, he was a really useful impact sub as well in the in the few occasions he came on. He looked like he really kind of was able to pep the team up a bit. And we, do, we don't really have too many players capable of doing that. So I liked him as a, as a bench option too. Um, but I understand, you know, a new coach comes in, a new head of recruitment comes in and they'll have their own guys. They won't necessarily want to go back for Dan Juma. So... Absolutely fair enough. I'm I mean, ne- I, Sorry, I don't know. I, um, I just, I just don't think he's worth. He's, he's not English. He doesn't have a, a homegrown status next to his name. I think mm. our squad is already really bloated. We have enough problem trying to get rid of players. If we can just get rid of them, that if we get rid of one that easily, then I think we should just push on with that. Mm. Uh, Nathan, would you sign Dan Juma permanently? Um, huh. I would like for us to that to have been a a realistic possibility. I think. Um, yeah, and I think I think that because hmm, in my um Arna Schlott video, I put forward the case that that he would suit that Sun would suit playing as a um a left forward. But then I think no, I think that's probably true of of um of Dan Juma as well that he's not a wide left provider. So. Maybe he doesn't suit the kind of football that we're looking towards. He's definitely a very good, talented footballer, mm. um, and we've we've made a a waste of his loan. Um, but also, we need to offload a hell of a lot of players from our squad. So, yeah, yeah. Know. This was uh, something that came up in the in the live Q and A last night. Yeah. Um, when we had the discussion about the number of players we have and the number of players we might need, given we won't have Europe next year. We came to the conclusion that we might need to offload 14 players this summer. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a very, mm-hmm. very busy time. Um, let's do a little bit on Postacoglu. Uh, we've we've teased it already. So it, obviously you're not going to do the deep dive, Nathan. But do you want to give a brief overview of, of what he does? Yeah, he, um, he dominates matches, um, which obviously Celtic are very strongly... Um, disposed towards doing anyway right um but what he's done there to match the job is lean very heavily into that and produce a tactical system that is based around um being the dominant talent in a in a league so it's all about what they do with the ball when they lose the ball they look to win it back as soon as possible and then like schlott like uh, Guardiola City, like companies Burnley, they play um, with wide wingers, inverted fullbacks, building the play through triangles, um, 
positional play concepts throughout all of that all of that good stuff that we've talked about with all of the other candidates um the question mark with Ange is obviously the level that he's done it at but i my opinion is that this kind of stuff um applies across levels right um the width of the pitch is the same in in Scotland as it is in the Premier League, right? The the position, the number of players on the pitch is the same in, in SPL as it is in the Premier League. Um, it's all it's all the same stuff. Um, if you can um, create a system in which there is a constant uh, free pass available at all times between the player on the ball and and another player, again, that is both true in 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 various different leagues as well as in the Premier League, right? So um, that stands up. What I'm a little more concerned about is his counter-pressing system and and how well um, that applies to sort of a higher intensity, a higher physicality, a higher technical level. Um, because, I mean, <laughs> it's interesting. I, I watched because um, I did do a little bit of research on it already for the small video that I did on on, on four managers. Um, and I was like, oh, his defensive line doesn't actually get involved in the counter-press very much. I wonder how well that scales. And then my friend John independently picked up some much more nuanced um, things that he tweeted about, about, um, about stuff going on in the counter-press. So... Um, yeah, curious about that, but but otherwise, it's it's kind of the same stuff that we've been talking about a lot already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so you said inverted wing back, in, inverted fullbacks, and wide wingers. Yeah. yeah. Kay says, is the long term solution for Poro to just have him play right wing? He linked up very well with Kane against Leeds, and honestly, maybe good rotation with Kulusevski there, or could start there if Kulusevski ends up in the ten. Um, what do we think? the roles for Poro and Kulisevsky could be in an Ange-Postacoglu setup. It's tough. Poro's um, and Yudoji yeah, give, us, same give thing. us some problems. And, in and, our, in and our Spence. Building. Spence too, although he... Spence Spence might be moldable to play to play um inverted fullback actually. Really um, good at coming needs, inside. Yeah. He needs to work on his defensive game, but we knew that that already. That's what you know, you know, when you, when we bought him and that we shouldn't be surprised that that's a situation having brought him in. Um but you know, he's no uh, that that's less of the case with him than it is with with, with Poro and Yudoji, right? So Again, my position with with Schlott um, is that we could play an uneven back four where you either have Davies tucking in and Poro pushing up, or you have Emerson Royale tucking in and Yudoji pushing up. Um, I I guess with me now refusing to invest hours and hours of research on another coach that we're linked to, um, I'm not confident on my read of of how well that would suit Postecoglou's football. But I lean towards thinking that that's viable and that's doable. I think that that Kulusevski's profile um, is really quite enabling in that he can play both on the touchline and inside. Um, and that Poro is sort of a uh, a 95th percentile um, productive uh, player from out on the wing and therefore that makes things a little easier but to 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 go one step further and play like Royale and Poro with Poro being a winger like the current situation we're doing now it's just it's not quite good enough for a team who want to no. contend for for the the two big trophies I, I completely agree with that um, on where you've landed there I, I really struggle to find a home for any of our fullbacks in the Postacoglu system from what I've watched and what I've learned over the last week or so 
Um, so my understanding is the fullbacks have dual roles for Postacoglu. Firstly, yeah. they tuck in and they become midfielders in build-up. And then yeah. when you have sustained possession, they push forward and they're asked to put balls into the box from like an outside eight position, I suppose. So they have to be good at crossing. They need to be good at passing, um, good at volume passing, good at position having positional awareness and then good at breaking forward and crossing. I think all of our fullbacks are good at one part of that and not another. <laughs> and yeah. therefore, I don't think any of them are good fits for the system as it stands. I think the best fit uh, of the fullbacks we currently have might be Ben Davis, but I don't want Ben Davis to be our starting left back next year. Um, <laughs> what? Ben Davis um, stepping into centre midfield? Well, I think he's he's like a really sensible user of the ball. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the thing is, coaching can happen. And we sometimes forget that we, we've had managers who are very much like, buy the right player for the for my system, which is elite. Just trust me. To, look, I've got a brilliant system. Trust me. Buy the right players and I will deliver. And now we're kind of going back to, I will mould your players to fit my system. And so I do think there's hope that Spence or Poro or Udoji or maybe even Sessignon can be coached to play uh, particular roles in a Postacoglu setup. But I think it's a big ask. And we're so well stocked for fullbacks and wingbacks. It kind of, it becomes a real problem, I think. It's like another whole set of players we might need to replace um, but but if we if we do get Postacoglu, he's going to have to work with what he's got and, and make the best of it. That's that's the only way. Um, we've already got fourteen players to ship off. We can't then start on the the fullbacks and wingbacks as well necessarily. Maybe he gets one that 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 fits the system perfectly, but I don't think he'll get two. So he might have to to some degree work with what he's got. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to think of where Kudelski fits as well. I I do like him as a wide player, but he's so good at coming inside. And it feels like that would clutter things up quite a bit. Uh, Postacoglu wants his wingers to play wide and isolate their man and beat them and put crosses in. So I don't know. I'm not sure how well that works. Um, how do how do you feel about Postacoglu, Bardi? Are you are you kind of is this a move you're comfortable with? I mean, he's coming from a a place where he's coming from the Scottish Premier League, which immediately has people concerned. Um, in the live show, they I think it was Dap spoke about when he came to Scotland, they were mm. questioning the league that he'd been in before. And as as someone, all you can do is go somewhere, thrive, move to the next big one, move to yeah. the next big one. There was a lot of um, proper football pundits having a go. Deserby as well when he arrived. Yeah, the amount of teams he'd managed, where he'd managed, and everything else. But he's shown that his tactics they do they travel. They travel nicely. So maybe his tra- his tactics will travel nicely, but we'll see. I mean, I'd quite like him to be appointed. I'd, I just want someone in right now so we can just start moving forward. Yeah. We could do the videos. We could think about it and see some progress from the club. I'm not, I'm not against this. I'm not against this signing. I think the only one that I would be kind of a bit funny with would be going after Potter, another Chelsea manager. So there's not really a manager out there that I'd be 100% against, if you see what I mean, like within, within reason. Obviously. Yeah, I, my stance on Potter is softening a bit, I must say. Um, the more I think about it, I, do, I don't really want another Chelsea manager, um, particularly someone who's essentially a Chelsea reject. But Chelsea is a basket case of a club. And I do really like Graham Potter. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a talented coach. And I think he's tactically excellent. And I'm not against that move. But having said that, I've watched quite a lot of Postacoglu content over the last week. And I'm really liking what I see in terms of him as a person, in terms of his tactical sensibilities. 
Um, and I think he would be a good fit for where we want to be. So I'm I'm on the Ange train. I'm against Potter for his his decision making. He was a guy who was so pious. He was like, "Oh, I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to leave uh, Brighton for Tottenham because Tottenham are a mess." And then he goes to Chelsea midway through the season when they've got a guy in charge who's just buying every single player. Mm-hmm. So why, why? Like Levy's not that bad. Levy is is probably a little <laughs> bit better than uh, than Todd Bowley. So um, I question Potter's decision making. Mm. Well, he was smart enough to recognise that we were a bit of a mess and that he shouldn't come to us. Um, but not smart enough to realise that that <laughs> applied more so to Chelsea. Um, I mean, yeah, I I like Postacoglu. I'm now um, I've got too many eggs and not enough mm. baskets. Right? Mm. Uh, the when we first sacked Conte, <laughs> my my top candidates were Nagelsmann, mm. who has been. Um, repeatedly um, <laughs> uh, briefed against by the club, right? De Zerbi, who quite rightly has little intention of leaving Brighton for us because they're just a much better run operation. Mauricio mm-hmm. Pochettino announced today for Chelsea. Uh, Postacoglu, who's now in in the sights. Uh, Arne Schlott, who, who we've been through. Fonseca, who we we had a falling out with before. And with Paratici, apparently still um, rumoured to still be offering guidance. Um, obviously, you can't be considered an option because him and uh, him and Fonseca are, are, are mortal enemies. <laughs> Um, man, we're we're running out. We're running out of good candidates, in my opinion. I I feel like um, I'm really optimistic about this still, regardless of a director football situation, which is frustrating to me because I think there are really good candidates available, and I think all of the ones or most of the ones linked really fit what I want to see in a Spurs managerial appointment, and. Uh, I've not felt like that for a bit. I feel like Postacoglu, um, Amarim, uh, maybe even Luis Enrique. I think all of them, there's something to work with there. And I, and I think they're managers who will who will try interesting things tactically and will coach players at the very least. And that's what I think all I can ask for at this point. Um, so I do, feel, I do feel strangely optimistic about the manager hunt, despite the fact that it does... It feels, in some ways, like it's followed the same pattern as the last time with with Nuno and and Conte, uh, but that's that's more about like the that's more about the way the clubs run rather than the the identifying the right guy. I I feel like they're listening to the right people in identifying the managers at least, and that that's good. That's that fills me with some optimism. Are we going to talk about your boy, your your hero, the the one that's just abandoned us for Chelsea? Are we yeah. going to talk about Pochettino? Go on, stick the knife in. He deserves it. He's an ab- absolute fraud. Look at him. I don't, I'm glad now. We can all we can all stick the knife in him. It's what he deserves. He's um absolute turncoat. I don't feel good about this at all, and I'm really not going to look forward to seeing him head up Chelsea next year. I think it's pff, gross. Nathan? Really hope that he and they fail catastrophically. Yeah. Mm. I have to say, um, I've changed my stance on, on Jao Felix, though. I think he's incredible. I, I really have not been a fan, but I think he's a wonderful player. Go get, go, let's go get Jao Felix. <laughs> uh, we shall leave it there. Um, next week, I'm not going to be here. So you will get uh, Nathan hosting. Nathan always gets complimented on his hosting ability. So I'm sure he'll do a wonderful job. Uh, and and we have we have a backlog of questions which Barley and Nathan will will plough through next week. Now the season's over. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. Do sign up. There's going to be lots of content around potential new signings and of course our new manager once appointed. 
and we've got the Discord. And there's an hour-long well. video on on a slot. <laughs> you want to check that out? Re- Do you know what, Nathan? Great work. Really good video. Thanks, mate. Really good yeah, video. Was... <laughs> Cheers. Just fucking awful timing. <laughs> Who's stepping in for you, Wendy? Do are you allowed to announce that, or are we still in discussions? It's just just the two of you. I think Nathan's oh. going to be hosting, though. Okay. We need to get a director of podcasting. Exactly. Point a new head of hosting. Yeah. <laughs> you have been listening to the Extra Inch with me, Wendy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nathan. If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash the Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, who we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.